Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and that sometimes messy thing we call life. This podcast is brought to you by Milu, the simplest way for photographers and coordinators to collaborate on shot lists and timelines for weddings, parties, and other amazing events. Visit Milu, M-I-I-L-U.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the professional photographer. Visit PhotographersEdit.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we are back for another Boca Podcast episode. And you know what? I'm pretty stoked, actually, today. I get to have Benjamin Davis on the show. Ben, you and I, I feel like we've known each other for a little while, and we haven't even had that much time to to actually spend together in person, but I I can definitely call you a friend, incredible guy, and uh, you happen to be a talented videographer. Thanks for making time to share with us today on the Boca Podcast. Oh, thanks so much, Nathan. I'm super excited to be here. And you're right. It seems like it's been so long. But, you know, uh, I think through the hustle and bustle, we we uh, always run past each other, but never get a chance to sit down and break bread. So I'm pretty excited to sit down and chop it up with you guys today. Yeah, man. Well, I, and, and I know I, I said it at the outset. I'll say it again, though. I don't you know, I mean, our industry has a lot of pretty cool people in it. Um, there are occasions, though, where I get a chance to meet somebody who you you actually get the sense of genuine kindness and interest uh, from the other person in conversation. And and I have to say, Ben, that you're definitely one of those people. So whatever you're doing, whatever's going on internally, whatever your motivations for that are, um, I have to give you props for it. And it's a great example for all of us because you know it's easy in our industry and in our interaction with clients and vendors and so forth just to kind of do the surface level thing and do enough to get by the people that actually show genuine kindness and genuine interest in you, that's going to make an impact. And just, so I just want to put that out there at the very outset of our conversation. Well, I appreciate that. I, I think I'm a big teddy bear. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe that has something to do with it. And you know, my personality, I'm just naturally bubbly and I'm the guy who just calls people just to see how you're feeling. That's just my personality in general. Or I'm going to so, hold you to that now, you know. Hey, I got you, man. Don't worry about it. I got you. If I call you tomorrow, don't be mad at me. I won't. That's awesome. Well, hey, let's just jump in because we've got, we're going to touch on a topic that we've spent very, very little time on here at the Book of Podcasts, which is video and more specifically incorporating video into a photography business. This is never, never something that I actually had the opportunity to do. And I'm, I'm curious myself, but I hope that we can kind of give our listeners something to take away and go act on today as well. Pretty loaded topic. So we're going to get to that in just a second. But first of all, you are one of the few non-photographers that we've had on the podcast. Your specialty is cinematography. Will you share just briefly with our listeners, first of all, what marketplace you're based in, but then in that market, what is your brand position or the unique value proposition you bring to that market? So we at Yamin Studios, we are actually based out of New York, New Jersey area, but we do service clients all over the world. And uh, our unique value proposition is that we make engaging branded content and thoughtful films centered around experience, energy, and perspective. Uh, We create the intangibles, right? We create the connections to brands or expressions of purpose through storytelling, which is the most effective means of communication to us. And uh, we believe, as science also shows, 
that people make choices based on emotional connections first yeah. and logical and executive thought second. So our mission is really to use an emotional connection through storytelling to motivate audiences. And we believe by touching the heart, you can move the mind. Okay. So why, you touched on a variety of things there that I'd love to, I mean, we could probably spend like two or three episodes on this. First of all, even just <laughs> hearing that point that you made about emotion over logic, that, that that's just the reality of how people engage. That, that's a good reminder for me, both on a personal and professional level, even like today, mm-hmm. because I, it's easy for me to, I, I actually am a probably even more emotional individual than most people in our industry realize, but I've, I think I've been burned too many times letting my emotions either get the best of me or focusing more emotion than logic. And so I have had the tendency in the last two or three, maybe even more years to go more the direction of logic. The reality is what you just said, that, that people have a tendency of engaging or responding or making decisions based on emotion first. And that is a really, really good reminder. What, what does that look like for you? Like when the way that you engage, the way that you put together a video, your website or otherwise, how are you thinking about emotions first over logic? So naturally as people, um, we're all storytellers, right? I mean, as a kid, you know, if you if you went and you had a brother or sister and you smacked them in the head, that <laughs> brother or sister is going to run and tell your mom, yeah. hey, such and such hit me. The mom's going to say, what happened? And then now the kid goes into storytelling mode where they pretty much retell the story of exactly how it happened from their perspective. And so they're going to tell that that story based upon the emotion they felt. So if they were happy about the hit Hmm. or the smack, they're going to tell it from a place of happiness. If they were pretty upset about it, that tone, that diction, the word selection is all going to be used to convince mom that this is not what I wanted to happen. Right. And so as people learning that people do things based off of emotion first and react from logic second, is pretty pivotal when it comes to marketing, when it comes to positioning your brand when it comes to what you post on Instagram, on stories, on on social media, so that if you understand that if you can appeal to the mind and the emotions of people before you appeal to their pocketbooks, they're more apt to identify with who you are, what you stand for, and what you're positioning yourself to sell them, right? When you look at commercial video and advertising as a whole, everything now is story-driven. No longer are they pushing products down your throat and coca-cola does an amazing job of this mm. you never see a, a commercial about a bottle of soda it just doesn't resonate with you because you don't have an emotional connection to that but they will show you a family that you can relate to with kids that you probably can relate to having an amazing time on a beach which we can probably all relate to now that it's cold and how coca-cola plays a role in developing an amazing time for them so they use story as a driving medium to help drive consumers to their products. And that's the same things that, you know, I would hope that we're doing in our businesses to drive clients to our, uh, to our websites and to our social media channels to smash that buy button. Honestly, we could kind of end the episode right there. I mean, the, the amount of value that you just gave in those two or three minutes is incredible. I mean, you summed it up beautifully. I, when I think about emotion, one of the things that I know gets me the most, I, I grew up in a musical family. I played, uh, I actually had a clarinet performance minor in college for a bit, nice. played in the U Symphony here in Chattanooga. And uh, I, I may eventually actually tap back into music. I've recently been talking about the idea of, of taking piano lessons again. I played piano for some time as well. But it, there, there is something about orchestral soundtrack music that I'm particularly obsessed with, have been particularly impacted on an emotional level over the years by... 
And one of the, the things that I noticed, I, I was watching um, a couple of your videos yesterday on your site. And by the way, uh, for everybody listening in, if you go to Yamin, so it's Y-A-M-E-A-N studiosfilms.com, or even better yet, by the way, I have to, to give you a shout out on this one, dopeweddingfilms.com, even better URL. Uh, <laughs> you, you can see samples of, of Ben's work here, but the, the music that you use, I, I, different videographers or cinematographers over the years, I've heard use different styles of music. It seems as though you have a tendency toward that kind of orchestral, the sweeping grand orchestral sound, almost like a, a soundtrack uh, from a movie. Is is that on purpose? Is there a reason for that? Uh, actually, yes, it's a very big reason for that. And so, number one, I'm actually a musician as well. I play piano as well as the bass, guitar, and a little bit of drums. That's awesome. And yeah, yeah. So I, um, the soundtrack for me is a very important part of the process of when I'm constructing videos and films for my clients. Okay. And so what I like to tell people, I tell all my clients this, is the eye see what the ear hears, right? Mm. So when, um, and, and as simple as that sounds, it's actually quite profound. Have you ever watched a horror movie with the sound off? Is it, is it as scary? Is it even scary at all? <laughs> right. You know, pro- probably not, right? But when you add the audio component to it, it yeah. just adds a different level of depth to it. Yeah. Because now there's a visual connection to what your ears are hearing. Um, and the same thing when you turn the visuals off, you just kind of listen to it. While it, st- it still might have that uh, that feel to it, the visuals just add that eye candy over the top to really bring all the audio fully together. And so for me, using specific soundtracks is actually how we center our films. And I think that's something that's very unique for us in the space that we're in because I'm a musician is that I understand the power of the audio Mm. with the visual. It's not just drums and basses and popular music. I want to craft a story where the soundtrack fits the narrative for what I'm trying to tell. If I want people to feel warm and happy inside, then I need to have sounds that make people feel warm and happy. If yeah. I want people to feel sad and emotional, I need to have audio that does that. If I want people to feel suspense, I need to have audio that creates that sort of suspense. I love it. So again, the eye sees what the ear hears. And I was just literally just going to say that. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason why people can hum the two notes from the Jaws theme. <laughs> and most everybody knows what that's about, right? They're not going around mimicking a shark. They're just humming those two notes and boom, we're all kind of drawn to what that represents. Yes. And that's a great example of it. But I have, yeah, I want to give you props too for, for the choice of music. And I know I'm biased because I do like, I'm, I'm seriously obsessed with orchestral soundtrack music. I have a whole massive playlist, actually probably multiple <laughs> playlists on, on Spotify because I just, I find it, I mean, it's emotionally compelling. It can be relaxing. Certainly it does give a sense of calm at times. And like you're saying, happiness, um, it can take you all different directions, but it is really, really beautiful. So everybody listening in, make sure that you go check out um, not only Ben's website, but also if you go to Instagram, again, Y-A-M-E-A-N Studios on Instagram, we'll link to all these in the show notes. Uh, you can you can even see some samples there and get a feel for that music as well. Let me Let me jump to the next question though. And Ben, do you think, I mean, how many years at this point have you been in business for yourself, first of all? So we've been in business about eight years, started off doing only editing, actually. Okay. And then about five years ago, we kind of jumped into filming and picked up a camera and haven't really looked back since. 
Yeah, you, you probably, was it one of those situations where you're seeing other cinematographer or videographer's work come across your desk and you're like, you know what, we could do that. Maybe we could even do that a little bit better. You know what? Actually, it had nothing to do with that. Oh, the really? crazy part was the first thing we actually filmed was a wedding. <laughs> oh, okay. One of my close friends from college was getting married and some of the bridesmaids were also some of my friends from college. And they kind of hustled me a little bit into doing this wedding video. I dragged my wife along and she loved it. And ever since then, we've been doing it. That's kind of our origin story in a nutshell. And remind me your wife's name. Natasha. Natasha. So how often or how many events do you shoot with Natasha versus just on your own? Do you do all of them together? Majority, about 85% of the things that we shoot, we film together. I mean, we shoot, we, we shoot weddings, we shoot corporate events. Um, we shoot documentaries and commercials for all other corporate brands as well. So it's not just weddings. People know us for weddings in the wedding space, but we do a lot more commercial work. It's just not stuff that we can always publish and sure. share. Yeah, well, and I can imagine, too, that you also have to be careful to maintain a certain consistency in what you're actually presenting to a potential client. If, if your primary focus is weddings, then putting commercial stuff up there with it might be a little bit confusing, right? Exactly, exactly. And and for everybody curious, you can see a, a really great picture, actually, of Ben and Natasha. If you go to the Instagram account I just mentioned, the December 1st post, Ben and Natasha there. And by the way, Ben looking quite dapper, not only with a really great jacket, but a bow tie. Pretty awesome look. That's really great. That's my signature look. Anytime you find me, you'll find me with a bow tie on. <laughs> that's great. And that, and by the way, that's that's. I can speak from experience. That's true. I mean, I've I've seen you at multiple conferences. I think at this point uh, with that bow tie, and it's pretty great. But <laughs> within that eight year time frame, I mean, you've had a variety of experience. What would be one of the biggest lessons that you've learned? Or put another way, if if you had fifteen seconds in an elevator and a fellow entrepreneur or cinematographer was there and you had to share a piece of advice with them, what would that thing be? Hey, listeners, it's Ben here. Uh, I just wanted to jump in just before we continue the episode to mention that the next section of this interview includes me sharing what I see as an inspiring story of Kobe Bryant and the hard work that went into the success of his career. Um, This episode was actually recorded in December of 2019 before we lost Kobe in an unfortunate accident. Our thoughts are with all of those who lost loved ones during this time. I would tell them, don't rush the process, right? People want to go from charging $5 to $50,000 all overnight. And Mm. they have to understand that there's a process, right? You have to get in the gym of your craft and get really good so that when when it comes time for the game, it comes time to produce something, you're ready to work. Most creatives, especially photographers and videographers, don't really take the time to practice. They only pick up their camera when it's time to go to work, when it's time for the game, opposed to being in the gym of their craft. Uh, I know an interesting story about Kobe Bryant where he was working with a trainer and the trainer was very honored to work with Kobe. And he told the trainer to meet him at the gym at three o'clock in the morning. First of all, who's going to the gym at three o'clock in the morning? Not me. Exactly. But Kobe told this trainer to come meet him at the gym at three o'clock in the morning. Right. And as as the trainer pulled up to the gym, he noticed that the lights to the gym were on at three o'clock in the morning. And he went inside and he noticed that Kobe was soaking wet in sweat because Kobe had been there working out for two hours before the trainer even got there. Now, Kobe Bryant is, you know, in his day, he's one of the greatest basketball players on the globe. You know what I mean? And he's been in there working out for two hours, even before his trainer showed up to work him out in preparation for a game that week. And so when the trainer asked him, Kobe, you're the greatest basketball player of all time. Why are you in here 
doing basic fundamentals. I'm talking, he's just doing left-hand dribble, right-hand dribble, layup, nothing fancy, right? Just regular stuff. And Kobe said, there's a reason why I'm the greatest basketball player in the world, because I understand the importance of practice and learning and doing the fundamentals. So I would say, don't rush the process, you know, work on your fundamentals and practice them. So that way, when it comes time to shoot, you're ready to perform. That's really good. That's really good. I, you know, it reminds me actually, I ride motorcycles. That's kind of my, my extracurricular activity. Um, it started with just a cruiser, a sport cruiser. And ultimately I've kind of worked my way up to a BMW track motorcycle, 200 horsepower, just, and just a mind blowing machine. But I just got back from the, the track the other day and I was reminded yet again of just almost, it was almost like I had no business being out there. And, and I was really frustrated. I'm, you know, I've been on this bike multiple times on the track and I'm not riding the way that I need to be riding ultimately. The realization, long story short, is I need to actually put the time in. I've only been riding for three years and I'm watching these guys, these professional riders and, and friends of mine, acquaintances of mine who've been riding for years and expecting to ride like them and, you know, buying a fancy piece of equipment or in this case, a motorcycle isn't going to do the trick. You have to actually put the time in and even the, the MotoGP riders, which are kind of the top of the top of the heap in, in professional mm-hmm. motorcycle riding, they, they start riding many of them at, at like five, six, seven, eight, maybe even younger than that. And these tiny little motorcycles, these things that have no power whatsoever, but they start with the small motorcycle and over time they work up to these motorcycles that now have between like 275 and 300 horsepower. That would be the equivalent of like a Honda Accord having something like 1500 to 2000 horsepower. They're just insane amounts of power, but they can ride these things with such beauty and yeah. technique, but they, they didn't get there overnight. They've literally been doing this since they were kids and they started which is that basic little bike. So I'm, I'm literally at this point, I'm planning on buying uh, during the off season, a little something like an eight or nine horsepower motorcycle that nice. I could go out and train with. In addition to taking some educational courses um, that I can go out and train with so that I can work on the very thing that you talked about, the basics, because it's one thing to, to go out and buy a fancy piece of equipment or a fast motorcycle, but it's another thing to actually know how to ride it. And it starts with the basics. It starts with putting time in and being consistent in that. And uh, so I, I, this is a great reminder for every, every one of us, um, probably in both our personal and professional lives. I really appreciate you bringing that up. Yeah, of course. So talk to me about time. I, I mean, being a business owner, we all know it takes up a ton of time, especially if we want to put our heads down and, and build a brand. But how do you do that and then simultaneously have time for yourself, for the important people in your life, certainly Natasha? Um, how do you find some type of, I hesitate to use the word balance because I know it's going to look different for everybody, but is there a particular workflow tip or technique that has enabled you to create some of that space for yourself and the important people in your life? Uh, as crazy as it sounds, I dedicate the first three hours of my day to me and my family. So when I wake up in the morning, I get my kids out the door for school and you know make breakfast with Natasha and myself, and then we go to the gym, we work out. Um, because taking care of myself, I'm no good to any of my clients if I don't take care of myself physically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's number one. And while we're at the gym, actually the gym allows me a time to de-stress a little bit, Okay. Uh, kind of let my hair down. And I take that time to listen to podcasts and, and, and learn a little bit. Um, when I'm doing cardio, I'm reading. So I take that time really for myself to, to grow mentally as well as I'm in there growing physically. I take a pen and paper with me. So I'm jotting down notes. I'm making wow. my agenda for the day. Yeah. So while even though I'm working out, I'm multitasking, right? I'm, I'm preparing myself mentally, 
for my tasks throughout the day so I can set myself up for success. The days that I don't go to the gym, I'm going to be honest with you, those days are a hot mess, man. Yeah. I, yeah. Because I haven't taken the time to lay out the framework for my day. Yep. When I do start my day going to the gym, it gives me that one and a half, you know, two hours to literally, literally just say from nine to 10, I'm going to do this. From 10 to 11, I'm going to do this. From 11 to two, I'm going to do this. And etch out periods of time to me for me to be productive. Otherwise, it'll be five o'clock in the afternoon before I know it. Yeah. So for me, that has been my one tip or technique that has allowed me to, to be productive, honestly, and, and not feel overwhelmed. That's really cool. And I mean, the, the fact that you're prioritizing not just a half hour, not 20 minutes, but three hours in your morning for yourself, for Natasha, for your kids, for the sake of your business. I love that. I love that the prioritization on multiple levels of that and and then approaching the rest of the day because you know I know and again I can speak for myself here but I know that many photographers maybe even most photographers in industry um potentially videographers as well feel that they're more the artist type maybe not quite as organized or as structured and so actually making the time to think ahead to plan ahead whether it's for the week or the month but even for the day I think it's it's really important this is something I'm realizing for myself and then I'm going to be incorporating more in my life moving forward. Uh, I think it's I think it's really important. I, I tend to like to go with the flow, and I'm I'm pretty well organized and structured. But still, when it comes to time, I think I could be even I could manage it even more effectively if I were to plan ahead. So this is a good reminder for all of us too. Let's talk about books or podcasts. Any any that come to mind in particular that have made a really big impact in your life in the last few years? I'm a member of the Studio Sherpas community, and okay. they also have a, a podcast. It's a uh a community geared a little bit more towards videographers, but it has very good topics just in general about being a creative. And I kind of listen to it more from that perspective because we also do other marketing collateral than just videos here. So for me, it allows me to open up my mind a little bit and think about things through a lens that I nor- normally wouldn't. I mean, there's topics ranging from uh, taking care of yourself and your body and your health to thinking outside of the box in your business to grow in a niche to even how to do nothing and how doing nothing in your business is sometimes the best thing for you. Um, and it's crazy if that sounds right. Um, doing nothing actually help might, might help grow your business. And so I've gotten so much insight through some of the, the people they've had on their podcast because number one, they've walked the walk that I'm walking yeah. and they've fallen in some of the potholes that I've already fallen in and also, because some of them just have been doing it longer. So they have lots of wisdom, knowledge and understanding to impart into someone like me to help me grow my business. So I think, you know, listening to podcasts and reading these books are very important and prioritizing that in your work schedule. You know what I mean? A hundred percent. Yeah. Now name the podcast one more time. Studio Sherpas. Studio Sherpas. Okay. We'll have to link to that in the, sh- in the show notes. I don't think I've actually listened to that podcast before, but I am curious now. So I'm writing it down here and we'll, we'll make sure to put it in the show notes for everybody listening in as well. And, and interesting too, that they have a, a variety of topics to dig into. That's always, it's always nice because not everybody is in the exact same place. And if they can go on their podcast app and search for a particular topic and listen to that, that's helpful as well. So we'll link to that in the show notes, by the way, everybody listening in Boca, B-O-K-E-H podcast.com. Uh, speaking of lots of different topics, we have a variety. In fact, 300 and at this point, probably close to 300 and between 20 and 30 episodes out of a variety of content around a variety of topics. If you go to bocapodcast.com, you'll see Haley is cr- 
categorized the episode so it's easy to find content around particular topics. But on at bocapodcast.com or even your in your podcast app as well, the show notes from today, so the links, the resources, the talking points from Ben, they'll be listed there in the show notes so you can reference those along with the podcast or after the podcast later on. So make sure to take advantage of that as a resource. Ben, talk to me about your camera bag. And I'm particularly curious here because, again, we normally have photographers on the show as a videographer, a cinematographer. And by the way, it, how do you differentiate? Like, is there, I noticed you use cinematographer on your website. Is that just for how it sounds, or is there a differentiator between a videographer and a cinematographer? So, when you think about videographers, right? And this, that's a whole, that's a whole nother show. Okay. <laughs> that's a whole nother show, the difference between videographers and cinematographers. But I'll give you the, the the cliff notes here. Okay. Normally, when people say videographers, they're just thinking about somebody who's going to stand there with a the camera, regurgitate back out to you what's happening. So, for example, if you're standing there doing jumping jacks, they're going to video these jumping jacks, put it on a disc, or put it online, send it right back to you, right? Cinematographers are more into story, using music, sound design, and uh, supporting footage to reach a common goal. So that, for me, is really the difference. So when people put out, you know, posts looking for videographers, ah, I'm not your guy. I'm just, I'm not your guy. But if you want to tell a really compelling story, get people to move to do something, some type of call to action, yeah, that's cinematography to me. I'm your guy for that. You know well, what I mean? Even well, when you watch movies, right? You think about cinematographers when you talk about movies. Yeah. I mean, at the end of every movie, there's a there's a story in the movie, but there's always a call to action hmm. at the end of every movie. You might not think of it like that, but yeah. even Frozen. You know what I mean? There's a call to action at the end of Frozen. And I'm pretty sure your kids could probably tell you what it is. Interesting. So just something to think about. Okay. Well, I appreciate you explaining the difference there. I guess in in light of videography and more specifically cinematography, the tools that you use these days probably have some similarities to some of the photographers uh, that listen to the show or that have been on the show. But is there a particular item in your camera bag that enables you to be a better cinematographer uh, in this case? You, you want the you want the real answer or <laughs> the fake answer? Give it, all of the above. <laughs> the real answer is I keep a bag of Cheez-Its in my camera bag. Yes. As crazy as that sounds, right? I, I think somebody was, you know, you might have been expecting something profound like <laughs> the slider or a Canon 1DX Mark II. No way, no, no, man. No. no, no. It's a bag of Cheez-Its. Hey, it's whatever it takes. Listen. When you're working, you need brain food. And uh, yeah. Cheez-Its are small, and they get the job done, man. <laughs> Love me some Cheez-Its, bro. Is, is no. this like the original brand Cheez-Its, or is there a particular <laughs> brand you like? I mean, I get the original uh, the original brand. Okay. I have an 18-month-old daughter, so we have some uh, some some fishy crackers as well. We keep Absolutely. the fishies in there sometimes. Yeah. But the Cheez-Its are pretty standard in our camera bag, no matter where we're shooting. Even when we go out the country, we'll find some Cheez-Its, man. Do you, do you like the uh do you like just the yellow ones? Do you like the white cheddar as well? Yeah, I'm partial to the yellow, man. They're original. If it's not broke, don't fix it. All right, fair, fair. And and the other thing we keep in our camera bag that people probably wouldn't think is we keep some Christmas lights in our bag. And we use those for various tricks and fun things we do with the camera and our lenses. Um we got some Christmas lights and then we keep some prisms in there. That's cool. And you know, speaking of prisms, it seemed like for a little while there, that was like you saw it everywhere. That was the thing to do. I haven't seen as much, but what percentage of the time do you incorporate a special effect like that in the filming that you do? I would probably say about 15%. It's okay. really on rare occasions when there's time to dedicate to creating some special effects. 
on site. Otherwise, everything else we would probably do back at home in the computer. But as much as I can do as in camera as possible, that's always the goal. That's cool. That's cool. And, and probably less is more too when it comes to special effects, right? I, I've told the story on okay. the podcast before, I think at least once, but I, we used to, to use, when I was shooting weddings, we had this fisheye lens and I just kind of got obsessed with the fisheye lens and I probably used it just <laughs> way too much back in the day, but less is more in that case. Like that special effect has, it, it is innately more special if you don't use it as much. As um, much. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's a good reminder. Well, let's, let's talk about videography or more specifically cinematography and um and the possibility of photographers who are listening in maybe incorporating videography or cinematography into their photography brand and and to begin with let's let's create and this is something this is a conversation that I have my with my marketing team uh, quite a bit but what I say to them is if we're going to to pitch an idea we need to tease or create a problem first what is the problem so in this case what would you say Ben is the potential problem that a photographer could run into? What would be the detriment if they don't start to consider incorporating video into their photography brand? So just being straightforward, honestly, Google loves video. Okay. At the end of the day, Google loves video. Social media is heading towards video. So if you're not producing some sort of video content, um, you're behind the eight ball, right? By 2021, um, 87% of the internet will be video, period. That's that's I'm not making that up. Numbers don't lie. So with that being said, everyone needs to be able to learn how to produce quality video. And the amazing part about social media now is that if you had asked five years ago, quality would be the big thing. Right. Nobody wants to put out video that looks bad. But now we fast forward where every you know, everyone has the ability to create video using cell phones, no pros and things of that nature. The not the quality of the video isn't as, as important it's the content of the video that people are very, very uh, intrigued by. So if you're not creating video at this point, you know, you're missing out on search engine optimization to potentially reach new markets and your ideal clients because they're out there searching for you. Um, so that's number one. Number two, video appeals to mobile users. It's just it is what it is. Um, 80, 82% of the Internet is browsed from a cellular, from a cellular phone or a mobile device. And so... Whereas people used to go online to read, now people go online to watch videos. People might not hear what you have to say if it's written, but if you put it in video format, people will watch it, right? And then video also encourages social sharing. So if you're a photographer and you're doing amazing photography, you want people to be able to easily share your content. Um, I've seen people doing slideshows, which again are just videos, right? They have music behind them. Yeah. Um, The images are moving. It creates a different sense of emotion because, again, you're tying the music for visual and people take to the number four. People get emotional. Video is very emotional. Video creates emotional connections. So if you're not doing some sort of video, whether it's through slideshows or making little mini clips of what's going on throughout your sessions, you're missing out on the ability to to tap into people's emotions. Um, I like to tell my clients that. You want to have an emotional relationship with your clients and not a transactional relationship. A transactional relationship is more of a dollars and cents. But you want to create an emotional relationship using video, whether it's through your website, through social media, through the videos of clients that you've already done and them sharing them. That creates an emotional relationship because that relationship will be one that will keep people coming back over and over and over. Right. Hmm. When you think about products, 
and services over time, you wonder why a family will hire a photographer in one generation and then four generations later, they're still using the same photographer or the same company or the same studio to create these images for them. Is it because the photographer is the greatest of all time and there's no one else who's more phenomenal than them? Mm, probably not. That's probably not the answer, right? <laughs> Hashtag because, honest, yeah. Yeah, it's because that studio created an emotional relationship and have an emotional transactional relationship with them. So now they feel the value of what they're paying for is not just in prints and portraits, yep. but it's in the service that's being provided. And a lot of times that can be shown through video content. And then last but not least, you know, video is very psychological. Again, storytelling, right? There's a neuroscience of storytelling that says that when people watch a story, the neurosynapses in their mind uh, take them to being a part of that story. So if you're watching a video and someone cries in your mind, you feel the same emotions as the people that you're watching. Hmm. So video is very psychological and being able to harness that um, will help you bring in more clients, get people to smash that buy button and help extend your reach. Well, and I'm glad that you pointed out the significance of the relationships because photographers do have the opportunity to develop relationships, which encourages that emotional connection you're talking about. But I, and you know, I don't know. I I think all of our experiences ultimately are going to be subjective in one form or another. But I think about the majority of photographs that I see; they're not creating an extremely compelling emotional response. Mm-hmm. And, you know, part of that's on the photographer, ultimately, to to put the work in to maybe learn their potential client a little bit better and understand what is going to resonate with them. And if a photographer is doing that and creating an emotional response, and you hear these stories from time to time, that's incredible. They're doing a great job. But using video in, in conjunction with the type of music that we were talking about earlier uh, certainly could be a fast track to encouraging that emotional connection, encouraging a relationship um, you know, it helps, as you're pointing out, it puts the, the the viewer in a place of empathy in some cases. They're they're able to kind of put themselves in the shoes of the person in that video and feel that thing. And uh, I know that I personally tend to respond. I've, cer- I've certainly seen plenty of compelling still imagery. I don't want to minimize that. But I know that my emotional response, where I literally am crying, there are tears, it's, it's bringing up, you know, memories, et cetera, that, that is probably 90 eight percent of the time that that has happened it's been because of video and likely video with music and so that's a really interesting reminder for listeners you also pointed out the significance of putting out content video content and that that the quality of the content itself not necessarily quality of production is where the importance lies Uh, but this in some way kind of is a segue to my next question which has to do with then how a photographer could even consider going about creating content, video content simultaneously um, while they're shooting, uh, let's say a wedding, for example. I mean, I'm a terrible multitasker. Most people that know me well know this about me. Like, look, I can't have this conversation right now. When I give you, like I'll say this to my kids, I want to give you attention and I'm I'm finishing up this, this thing right now for work. Can you give me just a second? And then that way I can actually engage with you in the conversation. I don't want to do this multitasking while I'm staring at a screen thing. And that holds true in multiple areas of my life. The idea of, of having to really do a great job photographing my client, but then, oh, shoot, I also need to incorporate some video uh, is kind of an overwhelming idea to me. And I'm sure it would be for a lot of people. Is there a tip or trick or tips, multiple tips uh, that you can share, Ben, that, that might help 
a photographer more effectively multitask and begin to incorporate this in, in their process? Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. So I know you touched on weddings, right? I would say for weddings, it's extremely challenging. I don't know if I would necessarily recommend it for weddings, only because there's a lot that happens at weddings. There's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of stress okay. and a lot of moments, right? So trying to multitask to take photo and video at a wedding at the same time, one's going to one's gonna sacrifice for the other. So you might catch a moment in video, but you might miss the, the photo op for it. So maybe that's something, a conversation you want to have with your clients. Okay. Prior to that, is it doable? Yes. Um, would I probably recommend it? Uh, not so much. Now, in saying that, I know that there are moments for weddings specifically where there are moments that are specifically photo ops. You can't miss those, right? But then there are moments that are more video driven, right? Um, like all the stuff that involves speaking, toasts and all the beautiful words that are spoken. And then there are things that are more photo ops, like all of the details, Mom walking in for the first time and seeing daughter, the expression on her face. So weddings are a little bit more difficult. But when you're doing, you know, portrait sessions, family sessions, when you're working with seniors or doing boudoir, I think it's an amazing time for you to bounce back and forth between photo and video. And let me explain why. Um, One thing I've learned from shooting weddings is that when you're doing video, I don't necessarily want the moments that the photographer is taking images. I want the moments between the moments. That's the moments that make the best video. Hmm. So after the photographer says cheese, they do their smile, they snap the camera, they get their image. Everything that happens between that moment and the next image being taken, that's what I want. That's the juicy stuff. That's the natural, organic, raw feeling and emotion and connection to what's happening at that very moment. So even if you're doing family portraits, right? I know family portraits are fun, especially when you have little kids because they don't sit still. <laughs> little kids, yep. little kids, yep. what you see is what you get. If they want to do flips at that very moment, they're going to do flips. There's nothing you're going to do to stop them, right? Now, everything that happened between that first smile and that second smile is missed by the camera when you're doing portraits. But for video, it's perfect. You get to see mom fussing at the kids, the kids doing cartwheels, all that fun and emotion, the kids having a great time enjoying that session. That's what you want. So that's the perfect time to switch the camera to video mode, right? And just get some organic footage while you're trying to get them set for the next pose. Just let the camera run. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sometimes they won't even care if it's shaky or not. They just want the moments. They just want to see what's going on and how much fun they had. So when they look back on it 10 years from now, they can say, oh man, you remember when Billy fell over when he was supposed to be standing still during this portrait session? They're going to laugh, they're going to joke, and they're going to have a great time. And then when they look up at the picture, and then they have the video to help confirm those authentic emotions that they had, they're like, it's like peanut butter and jelly, baby. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the same thing, you know, when you're having, you're doing high school senior portraits or you're doing boudoir, just those moments between the moments are good. And so don't overthink it. You know what I mean? Take the take the picture, immediately switch the photo, switch your camera over to video mode, and just kind of repose them but let the camera run because they're going to laugh they're going to make faces and you're going to show them having an amazing time as you're creating an experience for them and creating these images yeah don't overthink it that that's the story of my life i way overthink things this is probably part of why i have such trouble multitasking but that's a that's a great 
point, first of all, but then secondly, just that that idea of quickly switching. I mean, fortunately, the tools that we have now enable us to switch pretty quickly from video to photo, back to photo again, uh, or vice versa, photo to video to photo. And and so to be able to do that, like you said, just to it doesn't have to be perfect, just to capture some of that um, for the sake of the client. And, and honestly, what comes to mind for me is, man, immediately now you have 15 second clip, 20 second, 30 second clip here and there that you can use as behind the scenes footage to, to stick on social media to market your own brand as well, which could be quite interesting. Exactly. And, and then you were talking about the in-between moments. There's actually a post uh, that you put up that is just titled Luxurious Heartfelt Wedding in Hershey, Pennsylvania. And and there, this is on uh, December 12th, 11th or 12th, for anybody who's curious, on Ben's Instagram account at Yamin, Y-A-M-E-A-N Studios. And um, the video has, it highlights this couple and there's some some beautiful footage in there. But one of the things that really stood out to me was you, you had a, a sensitive enough mic and the volume turned up enough on the mic to, he, to hear conversation uh, between the couple in those in-between moments, particularly from the bride. And that in and of itself was really compel- compelling. And it, there's no question you can capture compelling imagery of, of that kind of emotional interaction between the bride and groom, but you're not going to get those those little comments or innuendo or whatever it is that that, that, yeah. that is happening in that conversation, it just draws you in that much further. It's so intimate and and really a nice touch to that film. Thanks. Thanks. I tell, you know, I love having those little mics everywhere because especially for weddings, there's so many little moments that are missed because people are so busy trying to capture the wedding yeah. opposed to capturing the story. You know what I mean? And so it makes a big difference when you go in looking for the story rather than going going in looking for pretty things. And, you know, when you're documenting portrait sessions and family and senior sessions, you know, feel free to grab grab a small mic, you know, a small lav, and you can put it on whoever the primary person is uh, for that day. You know, if you know if they're going to be wearing white, they make white lav mics. Get a small white lav mic, put it inside their clothes because that audio is going to be amazing. Them laughing, them cracking jokes. I mean, I just remember when I do portrait sessions with my family, you know, I did one with Joshua Dwayne and, and Kesha Lambert and the in-between moments, man, if we had a reality show, I'm pretty sure we would have had three seasons out of that. Oh, my man. family, yeah. we're comedians. My daughter's a gymnast. My, my son plays football. So yeah. they're flipping and running and the baby's crying and I'm trying to calm everybody down. It's, it's, it's crazy, man. So those <laughs> moments in between the moments, those are that's what you want that's where your gold lies in video and and for the photographers listening in who really don't have a point of reference um two questions for you you mentioned the lav mic do you recommend a particular brand for them to get started maybe not necessarily the most expensive but is there a good place for them to go to get started with a mic like that so i'm 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 from the keep it simple stupid era right awesome. don't overthink it yeah. so there are two products that I would recommend. Um, Tascam makes a small one, Tascam DR10. Okay. You can find B&H, Amazon. I'll send you a few links that you can post with the show notes. Awesome. For people to get them directly. Um, and also, I can send them, wink, wink, a coupon code to get a coupon code. Nice. Using our, yeah. Uh, using our promo code. And it's small. It's easy. You just turn it on, and you stick it in their pocket, and it's, and it's you know, you can't break it, right? Yeah. <laughs> And then there's a smaller mic that we actually use called an InstaMic that's actually pretty small. Again, I'll send the link for that along with a promo code so you can get 20% off. Cool. The, the InstaMic is so small that I kid you not, we use it sometimes for our brides when we have outside weddings and we know it's going to be windy. They stick it in their chest area, um, in their dress, and you don't even know it's there. Like, it's that small. Is that what you were using for that video of the couple that I mentioned? 
No, no, that was actually a, a lav mic. Okay. And was that position, <laughs> but, was that lav mic on, on the groom or the bride? It was on the groom. Really? I, the I mean, you would have thought that it was right next to her mouth. It was so wonderfully sensitive. Yeah, well, that that's actually that first mic I talk about, that Tascam okay. that we use for that. And that, you know, that's through some post-production wizardry. Sure, that, sure. Uh, we can boost it to get that type of audio. But yeah, so those two mics actually will be work perfect for photographers because it's not much to learn. You just kind of turn it on and you just kind of go. Um, so for, for family sessions, for boudoir, for portraits, um, for seniors, those mics will probably work amazing. Perfect. Yeah. It's the simpler, the better. I, I I'm totally in agreement with you there. I actually jumped over to the Instamic website and it really is amazingly small. I'm really curious about this now. So I'm gonna have to look into it a little bit more, but uh, <laughs> we, we will link to those in the show notes and we'll try to get those codes as well from Ben. And we'll put those in there for everybody in case you're curious to, to jump in. And, and speaking of jumping in, and I know you've already alluded to some ways that photographers can begin to use video, but let's, let's get really specific, a few ways that they can begin to incorporate this into their business. And I know that the idea might seem overwhelming to some. So do you have a few suggestions as how they can just begin to incorporate it and, and uh, ultimately boost their brand as a result? Sure. So number one, for your clients, client facing, I would offer just short teaser videos. I mean, we live in a video, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok generation, right? Oh, if you're not on TikTok, you need to get on TikTok. Your next set of clients for the next generation are all on TikTok. If you don't, that's a whole nother episode. Okay. Anyway, so TikTok is also a video platform. So, you know, create short and sweet videos. I'm talking 30 to 60 seconds um, of in-between footage. Again, the moments between the moments while you're posing them create something nice and cutesy because they're going to share it. They love it. They're going to be smiling. They're going to be having a great time. They're going to look like a million bucks. So take that time to get this footage, put together teaser videos, and then you can either use them as upsells for your packages, or perhaps you can use them to close packages, right? As a closer in some of your deals, or you can just kind of give them away for value just because you want to do something nice for your clients. But either way, I think it'll be a nice add to what you already offer. And not only will they post it and you'll post it on your social media, but then you can post it on your website. You can post it on YouTube and get some of the search engine optimization from it um, to drive you more business. So that will be number one. The 30 to 60 second videos, um, I've gotten involved a little bit in video for the sake of marketing photographers edit and so forth. But so I know that a 30 to 60 second video isn't overly complicated to create. Even if you have multiple clips, you can throw them together, uh, together and, and some music with it. And, you know, that can be done in minutes, literally. But again, for somebody who has no point of reference, in order to even create these videos to begin with, would you suggest doing what you were talking about earlier? Would you just quickly switch over to video in, in those in-between moments and you're taking those clips and putting them together into one piece? Yes, that's what I would do. I would, uh, like, like Nathan said, to switch it over, get these in-between moments, get a software like uh, Adobe Premiere, or if you really want to be simple, iMovie. I love Final Cut Pro X because it's simple. Me too. You can literally throw all the clips on a timeline yeah. and they will snap together, meaning they will go side by side so there's no gaps. Yep. And then throw some music underneath and you export that baby and you're good to go. I mean, the learning curve is pretty small. So if you're just getting into video, Final Cut Pro X is really good to is, is a good place to start. And they actually cut some feature films, movies and theaters on Final Cut. So that's how powerful 
final cut is. Yeah, um, I know that Premiere is where it's at for for many, if not most, professional cinematographers these days. But I have to give a shout out to Final Cut as well. I'm I am in a kind of a simplicity <laughs> freak. I'm obsessed with minimalism, and in in my mind, I look at I open up Premiere and I look at that initially in comparison, just visually in comparison to Final Cut, and I feel like I'm looking at like Windows 98 or something. <laughs> uh, it's just the, the layout is not intuitive. So yeah, for anybody who's wanting to get started, I have to second what Ben's saying because Final Cut really is very intuitive, especially if you're used to the Apple platform. Platform, that kind of drag and drop experience. Uh, right. Apple's done that, that or created that similar experience with Final Cut. And for me, as a very inexperienced cinematographer and editor, it is a really great tool to use. You can get some plugins for it as well. But when we put together these marketing videos for Photographer's Edit or for Milu, it, it's, it really, I mean, it literally takes just a few minutes to throw something together once you get the workflow down. It's, it's really wonderfully simple. Yeah. And again, it's so powerful that they even they're cutting full movies on there. I'm talking focus with Will Smith was cut on on Final Cut. Really? Okay. It's really that powerful of a platform that you can use to do things like that. Yeah. Um, So another way that uh, photographers can incorporate video into their photographic services would be, like you said, Nate, doing these behind the scene videos. Right. Explain what have someone come. It doesn't have to be deep. Use a cell phone. Right. Don't turn it up and down. No, turn it left and right because you're making video that's meant for <laughs> marketing and not necessarily for Instagram, right? Yeah. Some people forget that. They're so busy making Instagram videos that they're not creating marketing content for their website. Hmm. Because on Instagram, vertical video looks amazing. But on your website, vertical video looks a little goofy. So take again, take that into account when you're creating your content. Am I creating this for Instagram or am I creating this for my website? Now, if you're creating content for your website, you can film it horizontal, and then when you get to Final Cut Pro, change it to be to full vertical. So don't worry about that. But I don't want to digress. So create these behind-the-scenes videos. And these behind-the-scenes videos are important because it gives you a chance to connect with potential clients. They're going to see you interacting with uh, your current clients, Um, They're going to hear you explaining what you're doing and why. They're going to see the joy in in everyone's faces. They're going to see how you interact with what's going on, the environment, um, the audio clues you give your clients to get them to smile and have a great time. So it's a great way for you to connect with your audience and build an emotional relationship with prospective customers. And then last but not least, do testimonials. After you finish these amazing sessions, put your camera on video mode and ask your customers to give you a great testimonial Ask them to tell you how the session went, how much fun they had. You know, let people hear them singing your praises. Again, you're creating that emotional connection using video. So those would be my three tips. Doing teaser videos, behind the scene videos, and using video to create testimonials just while you're out there on your sessions. And, and like you pointed out, it, creating any of these these three types of content, it doesn't have to be overly complicated. You can even use your phone. Um, I, I've been really impressed. Ben, I don't know if you've played with this very much, but on the iPhone, Filmic Pro. Are you familiar with the app? Yeah, I love Filmic Pro. I and, have that. And, and just just to be clear for our listeners, I mean, it, even that app is probably more than you need to even dive into initially because it gives you a lot of functionality. You can get really technical with it. But I'm really impressed with what that app is capable of and how it leverages the platform uh, for you to be able to create some pretty great looking video. Uh, yeah. I, I personally have been using uh, the GoPro Hero 8 just because it's a, it's, it's a such a tiny 
platform. I mean, you know, I can stick it in my pocket if I want to. Yep. It's easy to travel with. I'm going to be using it likely to shoot some content with and or around our clients. And I'll use it to shoot ad content because I can just hold it up and talk right to the camera. Now it has a built-in mic on the front of the camera, which surprisingly uh, can actually generate some pretty decent audio just for what it is. And oh, nice. um, so I've been really impressed with that. Like Kind of like you're saying, with a little bit of post-production, it's even better. But this process doesn't have to be overly complicated. This is a good reminder for me, but I hope it's also a good reminder for our listeners too that getting started, we're just talking about getting started, beginning to incorporate it a little bit for the multiple benefits that Ben pointed out earlier. It's good to take the steps in this direction, understand the significance of it, and begin creating with just the simple tools that he's outlined. This has been, man, this has been really good stuff. And Ben, I can imagine too that there may be follow-up questions. So if you don't mind, will you just share with our listeners where they can go about finding you online? So if they want to, they can reach out. Do you offer educational courses around this topic? Actually, we're launching an education platform in January. But if you have more questions, we actually created a Facebook group. So you can find us on Facebook cool. at facebook.com backslash groups backslash envision e-n-v-y-s-i-o-n so um we're in there we're talking about everything from lenses to how to make money because at the end of the day this is about making money right so so you know talking about business and and processes and there's something we talk about a lot we have beginners in there we have intermediate we have advanced people in there so there's no level it's too small. There's no question that's too dumb. And we're just in there pouring out everything we have so that we can help everybody grow. That's awesome. So we'll link to that group. And then maybe Ben, once um, that course comes out, by the way, I just want everybody to know, I I didn't know Ben was coming out with a course. So this is just something I found out just now. I don't want people to think that, that we had him on just to promote his course. Uh, but but nobody knows you're the first that's awesome well, we're, hear and, about it. and we're gonna put it out there and, and by the time this episode comes out it, it should be out at that point so that'll be perfect timing but we'll we'll make sure to let everybody know about that as well uh, but i have a lot of respect for you as an individual also your talent and your ability uh, to, to communicate so wonderfully too i mean it's this whole conversation has been so one easy to follow uh, for me, not really knowing a whole lot about video, you've made it easy to understand and follow. So I appreciate that too. And I can imagine that's going to translate to your course. So uh, we'll make sure to kind of put the word out about that when it, can, it comes out. But thanks again for making time for all of us here at the podcast today. Oh, man. Awesome. This has been an amazing time. I've had a blast. I can't wait to do it again, man. A hundred percent. I'm glad to. I think we may need to come back to TikTok because I'm I'm personally curious. I understand that it is one of those platforms that is up and coming. We need to be aware of. I still have questions about how to make it relevant right now for my existing clients. Uh, you know, versus the, the the 15 to 16, 17 year olds that it seems most popular for. So maybe we can come back to that another time. But yeah, I, I can't yeah, thank you course. enough for adding value to our listeners and sharing with the community today. Well, thank you so much for having us. I, we really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to the Boca Podcast. Will you let us know what you thought by leaving a review of the podcast in the Apple Podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast and suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Milu, the simplest way for photographers and coordinators to collaborate on shot lists and timelines for weddings, parties, and other amazing events. Visit Milu, M-I-I-L-U dot com. This podcast is also brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the professional photographer. 
visit photographersedit.com. <laughs>